we got trades we got injuries to break down so we are going to start off with jamar chase this is from cbs sports the Bengals' offense had been weirdly disjointed for the first month of the season but they'd started to figure things out over the past few weeks unfortunately they'll have to figure out how to thrive without superstar wide receiver jamar chase at least for a little while as he has a hip injury that could land him on the IR. The injury is not believed to be a season ender, nor is it to require surgery. But Chase could be out until close to the start of the fantasy playoffs as a result of it. And it comes an especially bad time for him as Chase had 15 catches for 262 yards and four touchdowns over the past two games. So that article by Chris Towers on CBS Sports just the first couple paragraphs of it. So let's get into this discussion here. How are the Bengals going to fill the void of Jamar Chase? Now, I know I know they got T. Higgins. They got Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd was an absolute monster this past week. What are your guys' thoughts? I think they can get it done without him. I mean, like you said, Tyler Boyd's been an absolute monster. And it's not just been last week. It's been multiple weeks. I actually think um, Hayden Hurst is going to fill a decent gap in that offense. I think he might establish himself, finally get a good place in an offense. I think How does he, he should establish too. himself, though? I just well, think they'll look more his way and kind of like a backup plan if the play dies. But do you, do you think they don't already look at him as a safety blanket like most teams do? Not really. I mean, he only gets a few targets per game. Here's how I would use it, though. It's so instead of just like treating him like he's the tight end, what you might have to do is you might have to either start going to either like more 12 personnel type stuff, or if you're going to try to still run like 11 personnel, you might have to like spread him out as a receiver. I think this also opens up more opportunities in the passing game for the running backs. I'm sure they're also going to rely heavily on the run game, but I mean, the Bengals are in a really good position. Not every team, like look at the Ravens. The Ravens barely have a solid number one. So then you got the Bengals who have like three guys, uh, you know, two of them are capable of being number ones on most teams could maybe argue a third, but I think they, you know, they've done a good job building their receiving core up to this point and the rest of their offense. So, I mean, there's ways to do it. It's just it's going to be a little bit tougher because then uh, you don't rely on Chase as much of taking double teams on and just getting open. So, yes, he's the number one receiver on that team, and he is leading the team in receiving yards. Um, according to ESPN, he is 605 on the season right now with six TDs. But Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins both have exactly 455 yards and uh, – Boyd is three touchdowns and Higgins is two. Hurst is fourth on the team with 226 um, yards receiving and two TDs. Um, honestly, I think, yeah, they lost their number one receiver, but how much is it really going to hurt them? Because it kind of seems like they're using their wide receivers like evenly throughout the game. 228 yards, that's pretty good for a tight end nowadays, especially mm-hmm. through seven games. I mean, yeah, 
his production will probably spike a little bit more. They'll probably use him a little bit more. But um, I don't know. I don't know if the Bengals – so the Bengals are already kind of just hanging on the ledge of whether they're actually going to go to the playoffs or not. They still could win the division. They could end up as a wild card team. I mean, pretty much the entire AFC, with the exception of the one and two seeds, are wide open. So I think I think the Bengals will still be just fine without them. But right. it's going to take a little bit of creativity from Zach Taylor and the offensive staff to see what they can do. Now, do they really need to win this game? Oh, uh, let's see. Who are they playing this week? They're playing in Cleveland. Oh yeah, they they have to win the game. I believe it's a primetime game. I'm not quite sure. It's a divisional game there. Did Cincinnati have a bye week last week? I'm pretty sure they're No, they did not. No, they so didn't. They must they're playing be... Monday night. They three and four right now. Oh, four and three. Four yeah. And three. So this game is really important for them to win, especially considering it's against the Browns. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Browns are a team that's kind of middling until they get Deshaun Watson back. Who knows if there'll be something even more once they do get him back. But I'd like to see the Bengals win this weekend, and or Monday night, I guess that would be. And I'd like to see them get back in the race and maybe get first place again. That would be nice. All right. I'm going to bring up something controversial. Yep. Let's do hear you it. guys think... Let's say Justin Jefferson never made it to the NFL for whatever reason. Do you think Jamar Chase would be looked at as a top five wide receiver? I think he already is. Let's see here. So I got, I'll do you one better. Does Jamar Chase have as crazy a production at LSU if Justin Jefferson isn't there? Of course. Well, here's my reasoning why. So let me make sure that I have the stats here to back it up. All right. But I believe once Jefferson left, Chase's stats fell off. So that one year they had Terrace Marshall, Justin Jefferson, obviously Jamar Chase, Thaddeus Moss. The internet is not really helping me out Well, here. let me just put it this way. Um, he did lose the starting quarterback, Joe Burrow. Yeah, that's. So valid. I think that's a big, big part of it. I, mean, I how think. How can you argue that? I think there's a good case, so that you know he may not have been as productive if he wasn't in such like a Ferrari of an offense. I mean, he had a bunch of guys around him who were. Helping him out. Oh, yeah, that's right. He sat out all of 2020. So his freshman year, 20 touchdowns. Oh, that's a lot. 1,780 yards on 84 catches. His freshman year, though, he had 313 yards. So him with Jefferson, of course, part of it's just, you know, he was emerging but I think that was a really good pairing. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can, you can probably say that about a lot of these guys, you know, there's, there's pretty few guys out there that are, that they basically on their own, just kind of did everything in college. Um, yeah, that's an interesting thought. 
He's he's set 2020. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. I think a lot of players. Well, in Jamar Chase's case, he just didn't want to get hurt. He thought it was stupid to show up. But some players sat out because they were scared of getting sick. Some sat out just because they were getting ready for the draft. He uh he basically Nick Bosa his way um, to the NFL. If anybody knows me, that. honestly, I I don't see him as top five. I I really don't, and can make a list pretty easily of people I find above him, mm-hmm. like Cup, Adams, Jefferson, Diggs, Tyreek Hill. I might actually put AJ Brown five. on that list now. Yeah, we should do that this off season. We gotta make a list of our top receivers. But it's like everybody was so quick to throw him in their top five. They're like, oh, this is pretty much Justin Jefferson without saying it. So then they just threw him into their top five without even questioning it. I see what you're saying. So basically what you're saying is people think that him and Jefferson are basically identical players. Yeah. I don't think so. People like Jamar Chase's body a little bit more. See, that's the weird part is I don't think they're similar receivers at all. I think no. they have – they definitely have their own games. I mean, Jefferson's big thing in college was he came on the slot a lot. But, yeah. I mean, they're two different receivers. I think Jefferson has more versatility to his game versus Chase. You know, he's he's a deep threat guy. Chase, I'd, I'd rather have Chase as my number one wide receiver. Interesting Why? take. Oh, okay. If you're throwing a one-on-one deep ball, who would you rather have, Justin Jefferson? Justin Jefferson. How? Why? Thousand percent. Because he beat he beats like everybody. I mean, seriously. Well, like Lattimore didn't stand a chance against him. Maybe off the line, but if you're playing cover three, I'm taking I'm taking Jamar Chase. I feel like Jefferson has better shots at one-on-one balls. I feel like Chase is more of the burner. I don't even think that much. But you seen you can see it. You literally look up Jamar Chase highlights and you see him burning receivers down the field. Yeah. Like well, like Same wasn't one like in his first game, his first NFL game, isn't that exactly what he did? Patrick Peterson. The toast man. Oh, that was <laughs> Don't don't remind me of that. That was a bad day. <clears throat> uh, I mean Say what you want, but I I'm taking Jamar Chase all day. All right, so let's go to we got a couple of trades that have happened over the past couple of days. Uh, Robert Quinn getting moved for a fourth round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, say what you want about his production this year, but he's always been a really productive player, over a hundred sacks in his career. He's been in the game for over 10 years. I think the Bears bringing in a new regime and everything, switching to a different scheme, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Bears ran a 3-4 last year and they switched more to a 4-3 for this season. So, you know, he was less comfortable in the scheme. And, I mean, he had 19, 19 plus sacks last year, so that's hard to duplicate. But yeah, I like this. I like this move by Philadelphia. I feel like it's a Von Miller move similar to last year with the Rams did. Um, this 
is going to help out their pass rush, especially after losing one of their pass rushers. And my gosh, that Eagles defensive line, their pass rushers are just insane. And I don't know how anybody can stop them. Yeah, I like that take in the comparison. It's more like a Von Miller type move. Probably not like the same tier as Von Miller, but he he's still dangerous. He's still dangerous in the trenches. Right. And especially right now with Philadelphia and a possible Super Bowl run in the NFC. I mean, right now they're pretty much the most dangerous team besides the Vikings, and they've already beaten the Vikings. Granted, they are at home, but and it was a primetime game, and it's kind of if you're an away team, in the Vikings' case, it's probably not the best position to play in, but whatever. I feel like this is a runaway opportunity for the Eagles and the NFC. I don't think hardly anybody's going to really put up a fight against them. You could maybe argue the Giants. A lot of people are arguing the Cowboys, but I don't think the Cowboys have that good of a chance because now we've seen that the Cooper Rush magic carpet rides over. Dak Prescott's back to being Dak Prescott, and, well, that's just not nearly as impressive as, you know, like a Jalen Hurts. I... I don't think Dak Prescott's going to get the Dallas Cowboys to win a playoff game, certainly not win the division. But I think the only team that, at least in their division, that poses a threat to them is the Giants. I love Dable. I love Saquon. I love the entire Giants team and their production in comparison from last season. I have a feeling that I don't know why. I just have a feeling at some point they're not going to be able to keep going. I know that where they six and one right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Cowboys are going to catch up to catch up to them at some point and just take them out of the playoffs. I saw a take earlier this morning, and it said the Vikings are basically just the twenty twenty one Cowboys. What yeah, I can see that. that? Yeah. I could see that other than, like, the production, because, like, the Cowboys had the best offense in the NFL. I mean, the Vikings aren't really anywhere close to that at this point, but the style of defense that they're playing this year is similar in a way to what Dallas was doing last year. I mean, Dallas was playing a lot more just – I guess they were playing more aggressive, and the Vikings are taking more of a conservative approach with it. But now Dallas has figured out, okay, Micah Parsons is a dude. We know how to scheme with him as, like, the main point of our defense. So, I mean, if you have the Vikings, if you want to make that comparison, I think the defensive comparison is good in itself, just considering how their defensive backfields look. I mean, that's a pretty good comparison. I could see the season ending the same way for them, too. Just how that playoff game went. Yeah, I mean, with the way the season is going with all these teams that are kind of just kind of in the middle. I mean, you know, you might have two, three, four more wins than another team, but it might have just came down to like maybe some sort of fluke or something, something that basically they had to kind of luck into a few wins. But yeah, I could see where that would maybe like we're gonna see a team pull major upset, even though they had like three, four 
wins fewer than another team that they end up beating. I mean, I could see them lose to the 49ers in the playoffs if that matchup would happen. They would probably, as it stands out right now, I believe they would play against L.A. Rams. They'd probably beat them. And then if they had to play the 49ers, I think they'd lose. Yeah, I mean, the of all the division winners or division leaders, the Bucks don't scare me. 49ers kind of. Uh, Rams don't really scare me at all. I'm kind of more concerned about the Seahawks. I just think they're such a sneaky team that it's like nobody really takes them seriously. Like, oh, okay, well, Geno Smith is your quarterback. Your luck is bound to run out. But I don't know. Geno is pushing the ball down the field. I think the Seahawks are a really good team. They're well coached at least. I think that, you know, if you reverse the roles and maybe put Pete Carroll in Arizona, they'd be a much better team. They'd probably be the favorite to win the West right now. I like that take. But it's, it's just so weird because, like, the Cardinals, they have the better roster, or at least that's how we've viewed it coming into the season. But it's just it's different that Seattle is able to have this kind of success with their roster and everything. I, I really got to hand it over to Pete Carroll. Yeah, creativity takes can take a team a long way. Especially yeah, I mean, if you feel like you have limited options. Yeah. I mean, it, like, the the idea of running the ball and playing defense had kind of died out from basically the end of 2017 through last season. But now this year it seems like, okay, we're kind of going back to that. And that's what Pete Carroll loves to do. He loves to run the ball play defense, and that's how he made it to the Super Bowl two times with the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Imagine imagine it's, when's the Super Bowl? Like, four months? Yeah. And we're all four months from now. We see the Seahawks versus the Bills. That sounds like a cursed game. And somehow, who would who would you find winning that game? I think the Bills would still win. Okay. I think if you put the Bills up against anybody, the Bills would win. I, I don't think, know. I, I think, think if the Bills put, are very – I think the Bills can fold very easily. I, I think. I think if you put the Bills – or not the Bills. I think if you put the Chiefs up against the Eagles, it'd probably be a coin flip. I think really? if you – I think yeah. if no. you put the – I think if you put the Chiefs up against – the Bills again in the playoffs. I think the Chiefs win that. See, I disagree because Buffalo went into Kansas City and won. Yeah. And I mean, the for Kansas City to really be in that game, some things had to go their way, like that Josh Allen miscommunication where he tossed it to Isaiah McKenzie, and for whatever reason, he wasn't ready for the ball, and mm-hmm. Kansas City got the turnover. I mean, Buffalo has been on fire especially to start off the games i mean that's the way you do it right you start off the game hot and then you know kind of put the team away later at the end of the game after you come out to a really commanding lead well kansas city just had a new wide receiver today which could help them go deeper into the playoffs Mm -hmm. out of florida from the gators Kadarius tony traded from New York football giants. 
What was it? Two picks. It was a third and a sixth. Are they? Uh, were they called contemporary or conditional? Conditional picks. I don't know if there uh, were any conditions sure. on it. If there were conditions on it, I bet it'd be on the sixth. I thought I heard they were. Could be. I'll have to look into them more. Okay. But either way, that's a good, in my opinion, that's a good trade for all three parties involved. The three parties being the Giants, Tony himself, and then the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs getting a little bit extra help to bolster their offense. The Giants moving somebody out that didn't really contribute. He was drafted by the last regime. Honestly, I think that's what it came down to. I mean, Kadarius Tony's only in his second season right now. And so the Chiefs will get two more opportunities with him after this year, maybe a third if they want to pick up his fifth-year option. But that's a ways down the road. So I'm glad that he got to go somewhere where they're actually planning on using him and making a point in their offense. But I think it really came down to, okay, this is the old regime that made this pick, so we're going to just ship them out. Yeah. It was a third and a sixth. Do you think it's – do you think that was a steal, or what do you feel about that? I think it's fair for both sides. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on how you look at it. So, Kansas City, I don't remember what they did in the third round this year, but, I mean, they're, a lot of their second-round players are playing on special teams right now. The thing is, is it's pretty rare that you draft a guy in the third, especially the sixth round, and they're contributing right away. So for Kansas City, this is a good move because they're still trying to win this year. And frankly, Tony gives them options to win the future. Mm. But I was going to spin this a little bit onto the Giants, uh, not trying to really change the topic or anything, but I kind of like what the Giants did. They're, they're kind of sticking to their plan. They're not really like changing. They're not really deviating from what they started with. Like, Oh well, we're five and one now, or six and one, I guess. So now that we're six and one and actually winning games, we're gonna try to go all in. Mm-hmm. They're just sticking to the plan, maybe realizing a little bit that they've overachieved, that they're probably not gonna compete with Philadelphia for the division title. So I mean, this gives them another shot to run it again next year, maybe with a little bit more help. Do you think they'll flip these picks kind of and try to get somebody else? You mean before the deadline or Yeah. I don't know about before the deadline necessarily. I think maybe after maybe, the, play- or the Super Bowl. Yeah, maybe what they'll do is they could use this as like uh trade up material to trade up in the draft to get their next QB if they want. As much as people love Daniel Jones and think he's playing better, here's the thing. If you have an opportunity to draft a quarterback that you think has the potential to be better than Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones is not going to stop you from drafting that generational talent or what you think could be a general generational talent. Am I right? Plus, you got to think Dable wants his own guy. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah, he's getting I feel like it's, leftovers. I feel like it's kind of the same. The Vikings could end up being in this boat, potentially. Depends on how their season finishes, but yeah, I mean, you got new coaches coming in to your point, so they're going to want their own guy. But also the thing is, is they don't have like a top 10 guy that's in place. That's basically preventing them from drafting the successor, which that's really where it comes down for me. 
I mean, I'm I'm not letting any quarterback unless it's like a Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, that type. I'm not letting anybody prevent me from drafting the future. I mean, yeah. they could they could like let the I mean, if you get like a guy like Will Levis, you wouldn't want to probably, but you could sit him for a few games and just see yeah. how Jones does next season. No harm in that. Right. I just don't think he's going to be like the franchise guy like people think he's going to be. I mean, we see – okay, so I think this is a really good blueprint to follow here for the Vikings and the Giants. So look at the Rams, right? Sean McVay didn't draft Jared Goff. It was the Jeff Fisher – I don't remember who their GM was, forgive me, when that pick was made. Um but the thing is, is that wasn't like Jeff Fisher's that that was Jeff Fisher's guy. That wasn't Sean McVay's guy. So then he goes out and he gets Matthew Stafford. They win the Super Bowl and the rest is history. So, like, I think that's the kind of blueprint that both these teams should look to follow. Not necessarily trading their entire future away to get like a Matthew Stafford type, but they can take a similar approach maybe in the draft to try to get somebody that they want in there instead of just taking what was handed to them when they took over. Like what I mean, the 49ers did to get Trey Lance? Yeah, that's another good example, too. He wasn't his guy. I feel like McVay doesn't really need his guy. He's just kind of quarterback wizard. And sure, mm-hmm. they got Stafford. I feel like that was a good move on them. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl, so who cares what you needed to do to win the Super Bowl? They are looking pretty bad this year. But they're still, they still have a seat right now as we speak. So I mean, mm-hmm. hey, can't blame them. Right. I wonder. I just, I just, I wonder what's going on this season. Like, what's with all the turnarounds and the teams are just like no, all the good teams are just not showing up. This season feels really weird. It's so off. It's unbalanced. Yeah. And it's it's almost there's there's like a disturbance. There's this disturbing feeling when I'm watching football. And I feel like the only ones who have kept their pace since last season are the Ravens and the Bengals. And yeah, you could argue the Ravens are kind of uh kind of down the dumps last season, but I mean they're doing a lot better this year, and um, they were very injured as well. Yeah, that's true. They still are. I think they're bottom five on most injured teams. Here's here's the reasoning why I think maybe like we're seeing offense becoming less of a factor mm-hmm. as of right now. I mean, could totally change by next season. But here's my thought: so you got you look at like five years ago, the big name quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Now, if you want to go back even further, Peyton Manning. And then you got like Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning. All those guys, they were the franchise guys that ran Mm -hmm. this league for a good 10, 15, 20 years. So now that all of those guys have departed from the league, you now have the next generation coming up. So the next generation is Herbert, Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, those kinds of guys, right? If you look at the past drafts, like since all those guys kind of left, 
you can't really look at all these drafts. I mean, sure, in the pre-draft process, you look at it and you're like, oh, well, there's a lot of quarterback prospects. So how many of those guys are actually working out? I mean, Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be as good as Andrew Luck. He hasn't looked anything like Andrew Luck up to this point. Oh, let's He's not surrounded by the best, you know, help. Well, that's that's another thing. I mean, Peyton Manning looked awful. I mean, he was neither is Andrew Luck, and he still took into the playoffs, if I'm not wrong, in, in this rookie year, right? right? But you could argue maybe the Colts had better coaching. I don't know. Point being, basically a long way of me saying you don't have the guys filling the shoes of the guys who have left the league, who have just been legends, Hall of Famers. I mean, sure, Brady and Rodgers are still kicking around in the league, but probably won't be for too much longer. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not replacing those players with good talent. So Eli Manning leaves, he gets replaced with Daniel Jones. You know, I, like that. I know, I know. Okay, so I know Rodgers signed a new deal and everything, but do you really think after how bad this year was regarding how much weapons they had or how little weapons they had in the Packers case, do you think the organizations would just want to move on with all the quarterbacks and all the offensive weapons that are coming into this next draft? Um, I don't know if the Packers necessarily do. I think Rodgers really, really wants to, though. I don't think he wants to stay. Now, it could be wrong. I mean, we thought two years ago he was going to be playing for the Broncos. But, you know, you just kind of look at, okay, what are you doing here, guy? I mean, you're he's, what, 37, 38? Mm-hmm. He just became such a weird character over the past three or so seasons. I mean, it's, it's just like. It's very true. That's a very true statement. He doesn't, like Tom Brady, he's just been like a cyborg his entire career, just focusing all in on football until this Mm -hmm. year. Aaron Rodgers, now he's kind of, he hasn't really been that guy. So when you're not really like focused all in on on like your team and everything, I feel like that's where you get away and that's what determines who's still elite and who's not. Yeah, it's, it's a weird situation when you're talking about Aaron Rodgers because during the offseason, he's nowhere to be seen. He's, he's right. not in the training room or anywhere. He's always out, out of the country or out of state or he's always doing something to enjoy himself. I mean, which he should do, which he should do. But there comes a time where you need to start buckling up for the and preparing for the upcoming season if you're serious about taking this to the, you know, the next level. Especially if you've been so close the past, what, four years? That's what's so weird. It's like they, they've been on the doorstep of the Super Bowl, like you said, several years in a row now. It's like they've just been knocking, knocking to get in. They're, the super, or, uh, Roger Goodell's like, sorry, no one's home. See, I think, okay, <laughs> so this is where... That's kind, kind of a of... weird analogy, but... If you think about it, it's pretty yeah. much what's been happening. Well, it's kind of like, so if he's been that close, like I know <laughs> Tom Brady has all the wins and stuff, but for a while there, people thought that Rodgers was maybe the GOAT himself. If Rodgers wins like two more Super Bowls, he's probably considered 
either the greatest or probably second of all time. So, like, does that just not matter to him? I'm wondering if know. it doesn't. I mean, a lot of people hate on him, but he's won a Super Bowl. Like, right. How many people With can say super, that? With a super, super stacked team. But he's won a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's like, a that's a valid point, though. He's I won mean, one Super Bowl with a very stacked team. Yeah, one Super Bowl. Think how many people never win a Super Bowl. He's won one. Okay, and I can. People hate on him for just winning one. Yes, me... if Tom Brady didn't have, if he had like three, people would probably still say stuff. But I mean, he's won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Let me mediate here between what both of you are saying. So, Riley, I totally get what you're saying. And Brayden, I totally get what you're saying. So, Riley, you're saying he's won one Super Bowl. Why do people go on to play in the NFL? The ultimate well, that, goal is not, to win a Super Bowl, not right? Not essentially. I mean... Well, I mean, there's people that are in it for money. but that's Just, the... like, read the sentence, he's won a Super Bowl, and people right. hate on him for just being one. Right. I mean, that's not something that a lot of people can say. And so then, you know, you're saying... Rodgers has won a Super Bowl. He's done the big thing. And then Braden, and I think I'm kind of swaying this way a little bit too, is, okay, I've won one Super Bowl, but how can I get to the next one? Yes, you need to make it to the next level for how long you've been in the league and how long, especially for the past couple of years, how long you've been this close to making it, whether that was your decision or not. I mean, you could arguably – talk about the COVID year where um, uh, where they decided to kick the field goal and it wasn't his decision. But maybe it just doesn't matter to him anymore. I mean, so like you're saying, it's not his decision to kick that field goal. Mm-hmm. It could have became his decision. Right. Because that's, that's the thing. Like Tom Brady, like the past few years, Bruce Arians says, yep. Tom, we're going to kick the field goal. Was that... Was that Rodgers' first year? I think it was his second. I think no, no. 2019 it was, was his first. first year. I think it was his first. That could have been it. it. He was like, we're going to kick the field goal. He's like, no, no. And then you, you could see like the F-bomb in his mouth. And he was like, get the yeah, fuck out of he, he doesn't trust coaches that much. I mean, right. it's, it's not with just McCarthy. that. I, I think it's just... He's so dialed in, in the game. He's like, I know we can get this. Okay, I'll do everything well, in my power, and I know towards, it's right there. Towards the end of McCarthy's tenure, there he like almost. I mean, this is exaggerating a little bit. But almost every play he was calling an audible. How much he didn't like the play calling. I feel like he could have still had that taste in his mouth of like, no, this is terrible. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what changed because, like, like you were just saying. He drew up a lot of plays in the dirt under McCarthy. And then LaFleur comes in and he kind of just was like, I'll let you take it from here. Because, like, to Braden's point, Roger should want, he should want to take the show. He, he should want to be the front star and he should want to be the Tom Brady type guy. I just don't think it's his personality. I think, yeah. like, Braden's point, he won the Super Bowl with a stacked team. So maybe you don't put a stacked team around him. Maybe he never wins one. And maybe he's just okay with being a really great quarterback that never wins a Super Bowl. I mean, there's regular it's, season Aaron Rodgers is something else. But... It's shown it's especially shown this year. Yeah. I don't think his play style's changed at all. I think he's the same thing from last year. 
It's uh, argu- so weird. Ar- arguably, you could say last year that he was the MVP or not, whatever. It's just a stupid award. But, I mean, he looks the same to me this year. Statistically not because, I mean, things just aren't working out. But that, that happens in football. Isn't it weird, though, how two years in a row he goes from winning back-to-back MVPs over a 16-17 game span? And then you enter the playoffs, and it's like it's a completely different quarterback. It's like, yeah, you're playing better teams, but a lot of those teams they beat during the regular season. Right. Like the the Bucks and the Rams, they were competing with those teams during the regular season, so it's like, why is it different when it's in the playoffs? Well, we all kind of know this. Connor, you said you're not worried about the Bucks. Um, well, neither am I, and they barely beat the Bucks. Now, right. they did play in Tampa Bay away, So, and I think it was the last couple of times they played in Tampa Bay. I, I'm just thinking about that COVID year when um, uh, Green Bay traveled to Tampa Bay, and he almost threw two pick sixes back-to-back plays. But um, I don't know. I think they're – in comparison, I think they're very identical teams and they're on a downfall right now, whether or not the QBs perform well. Yeah. Not much debate there. So thanks, everyone, for checking out the BCR Football Podcast here on YouTube or Spotify or Apple, basically anywhere you can get your podcasts. We'd appreciate if you rated us. Uh, left a like if you'd like to. Comment, share. And tell someone you know. We're also on TikTok. So see you guys later.